the 154th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, throw away to Worthy! Worthy five! The Star Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul! Technical foul on Michigan! They're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May! It's over! Carolina has won the national championship! 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions! Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champions. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today as in a moment I'm going to bring you to a conversation I had with Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS uh, right here in the local triad area of North Carolina. You hear him uh, sometimes at the radio station. I produce, I work as a producer at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And a guy I brought on last year to help get us ready for the upcoming basketball season. Graham is a ACC uh, truther and lifer, and he's been very outspoken about some issues with the ACC regarding Jim Phillips relocating the headquarters from Greensboro to Charlotte. But for today's purposes, we just focused on Carolina and getting ready for an upcoming or for the upcoming basketball season. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Josh Graham from The Drive. I am now joined by Josh Graham, fresh off hosting The Drive. Josh, good afternoon, man. How you doing today? Yes, fresh off hosting The Drive, but with college basketball season here, exhibition games that we're looking at and the season tipping off, I'll always make time for you, buddy. I I appreciate that. And the first thing we got to do before we talk about last season or this season is talk about our conversation you and I had last preseason where um, you you were one of the guys in the media that didn't predict Carolina to have a successful season, and I at the time predicted them to go to the Final Four. Now, I'll be honest with you and tell you that in the middle of February, I was very unhappy with Hubert Davis. Uh, I even asked for him to be fired on my podcast and had to come back on here and eat those words. So now, now I'm giving you the opportunity to come on here and say a year later – that I was right, you were wrong, but it made both of our jobs a lot more fun talking college basketball and ACC basketball last year as Carolina's run was one to remember uh, last March. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you you nailed it in terms of them going to the Final Four, but <laughs> the one thing I might have mentioned last year, because it's something I always remind people of, March is not a good measure 
or representative of what teams generally are, it's not a great measurement for figuring out who the best team is because you have to win six in a row. Like imagine in the NBA if Golden State was a one seed in the West and they lost game one of a best of seven to the eight seed and their season was just over after that. We'd say that probably isn't the greatest measurement. But in college, that's what we do, and we've all been brainwashed into thinking that these six games, getting to the championship game in Carolina's case, they're a great measure for figuring out who a champion is. But last year, Carolina got hot when it mattered. And what was funny, Carolina's going to tip off its season at the Smith Center on Monday night. The last time they played a real basketball game there was against Syracuse right before the game at Cameron against Coach Gay in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And I remember the angst around that building, Smith Center, and how much people hated this group of players that they've now lionized and turned into <laughs> folk legends. It's amazing what six games can do for you in changing completely what your reputation is from being players we hope to never speak about again as if you're Chris Lang on the 2002 team to now your legends that we're talking about potentially in Armando Baycott's case, if he has a great year, putting up it to the rafters forever. And look, I'll, I'll take some more. I, I was one of those guys that going in that Syracuse game, there was some angst. And that, you know, if Caleb Love was to leave, I wouldn't have been the most upset. I sit here now today, a Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott. Apologists. Let's go back to last season really quick here, because you you cover the team throughout. You sat in press conferences. What did you learn about Hubert Davis specifically that you didn't know before the season started, or that you didn't anticipate learning within his first year as Carolina's head basketball coach? That the positivity thing that radiates off of him is real. It's genuine. It came off as disingenuous early on in the year, kind of like. When you hear Josh Pasner speak for the first time, first couple times, you think, oh, this guy can't just be this positive. He just said Carolina is a Final Four caliber team after playing them. Well, it turns out the expectations Hubert had knowing the talent in that room and what Josh Pasner saw at close Billy basketball, too, turned it came into fruition seeing potential in there. Now, Nobody knew if they'd be able to unlock it. A lot of people, myself included, didn't even know if they possessed that. But that's what Hubert and Pazner saw. So this radiating positivity, unrelenting positivity, not something you ever got really from Roy Williams. He'll throw the daggums and might even say worse things than that when he gets upset and you see it quite often. You never really see that from Hubert, and he's all ball. He's not the type of guy who wants to talk about his New York Yankees and Roy Williams case or to talk about other sports or other nonsense. He wants to talk ball all the time. He loves the sport. He loves his kids. He loves life as being Carolina's basketball coach. And this positive vibe has seeped into every corner of the program, which really mattered for Carolina when the season turned. The story I never forget is they lost by 23 points to Wake Forest after getting blown out by Miami the game before that. And I remember Brady Manick telling me that the day after that, it was a quick turnaround, a Saturday to a Monday against Virginia Tech, Brady told me that they were expecting to get ripped after that Wake Forest game. You're going to run laps, you're going to do suicides, the entire deal. And Huber just walked in, and 
you know, patted them on the back saying, how cool is it you guys get to play here at Carolina? And was super positive and had a really good practice. And the next day, Brady had a big game, and they won down the stretch. He was making the big plays late. He gave Hubert all the credit for understanding when to give the players a pick-me-up. And there are other examples of that, too, the Baylor game and some others that come to mind in the NCAA tournament. He pressed the right buttons, and he did so with this unrelenting positivity. That's something I think I learned last year. One thing I think we also learned is that he's brutally honest in the media, and he talked a, a lot about last year during the the run while only playing five guys. He only trusted those five guys to be on the court. And so the theme this summer has been focused on adding more depth to the roster, given you got three uh, true freshman joining the roster, one redshirt freshman, and the transfer of Pete Nance from Northwestern. Do you think Carolina achieved that goal, or that goal of adding more depth to the team as they prepare for another Final Four and hopefully national title run? can't imagine that they didn't. I think DeMarco Dunn has done some good things in practice, which is why he started the exhibition last week. And apparently he's making a lot of really good decisions when that was a concern when he was on the floor out there. You saw Dontre Styles in the tournament making big plays, hitting an important shot in overtime in that aforementioned Baylor game. You have to assume he's going to be better. But then again, we thought the same thing about Kerwin Walton at this time last year, and it just didn't work out. It's hard to really know until these games are played, but Tyler Nickel was a story from the exhibition game. Pete Nance, that's a guy I've been hearing outstanding things about. Might be the most complete all-around player that Carolina has, which when I was told that from basketball people that I trust, it made my eyebrows jump up a bit because if that's the case and you have Armando Baycott and Caleb Love and RJ that's accenting the entire thing and this guy's being added to the mix who can, again, give you a lot without a lot of drop-off from Brady who is the one starter not returning – then yes, it, it, it looks like a different type of team with more guys who could come into the game and give you minutes, but also that starting group doesn't have much drop-off. So you, you mentioned that you're, you're hearing positive things about Pete Nance being maybe the most complete player on the roster. He's replacing a very popular guy, Brady Manick, who transferred in last year from Oklahoma and was maybe the emotional leader of Carolina's run in March. With you saying that you, you're hearing that from a source that you trust, what are reasonable expectations Carolina fans should have for Pete Nance as he's stepping in for a fan favorite like Brady Manick? I think him being a reliable starter during the year is what you rely on first and foremost. But one way you can tell that he's being that is if Armando Baycott's minutes go down. Everybody has pick this guy it feels like to be ACC player of the year I don't think he's going to win it just because he's going to be compared to his what he was last year statistically and I don't think he's going to get there because he doesn't have to be so even if the even though he might not be having a worse season air quotes on paper it's going to look that because there are going to be opportunities for Huber to play Pete Nance at the five and give Armando more spells and more breaks, more breathers than he was simply able to last year. And Brady wasn't able to do that. You could not have played a small ball lineup with Brady at the five. The times that they had to do that because 
Armando was banged up at points during the year. It did not look pretty. I think about the Pittsburgh game, for example, when Armando got in foul trouble and they lose that game at the Smith Center to John Hughley and company. That That's going to be a big difference. So when Pete Nance, he could step out and hit a three. Is he going to be as good of a three-point shooter as Brady Maddock? No. But is he going to be a better post player? Absolutely. And is he going to be able to spell Armando in, in, in stretches of games? Yes to that, too, and that might be the most important contribution he brings. Let's focus on Armando Baycott. You don't think he's going to win ACC Player of the Year? And look, that that there, there's a lot of talented players in this conference. If I had a vote, he would get mine. If if you think his numbers take a dip, do you think he still impact the game without putting up you know twenty and fifteen on a night in night out basis? Oh, absolutely. He's this is not meant to be a shot at Armando. Again, I think it's just with less usage and less being asked of him, I don't think the numbers are going to look the same as last year. And there will be voters at the end of the year who look at it and say, how can I vote Armando player of the year when he didn't win it last year? And he had these numbers that were better than they were, (laughs) had numbers better last year than they were this year. As you mentioned, it's a really, it's a better league this year. And there are a lot of really good players that are going to put up numbers that are more justifiable for, uh, uh, for winning it than Armando Baycott. Yeah, the rebounding, you look at the historical marks he's close to and some of the records he could set this year from a rebounding perspective, that is no small thing. And I think by all means, that's going to continue. And in replacing Brady Mannix scoring, I don't know if that's a one-for-one fit, Brady and Nance. So who knows? I could be wrong on the front of, Armando's scoring load being asked to do more if Brady isn't going to be there adding a lot, pouring in a lot of points from beyond uh, the three-point arc. So this, again, I I think he's a great player. He's an all-ACC player. We'll see how much he's asked to do by the amount of depth Carolina has that we talked about earlier. We're talking with Josh Graham, host of The Drive on WSJS. Let's transition to Carolina's backcourt. And we saw Caleb Love and R.J. Davis take that natural progression you see from that freshman to sophomore season. They now come back as, as seasoned veteran juniors who have played in, in won big-time games and big-time environments. But there is still room for them to improve as basketball players. For you, where do you think they can improve heading into this year? For Caleb, it's still being an efficient player because largely, even last year while he was better, Still not really that efficient. And and I hear from folks, coaches, media, even some players in some situations off the record alike, who just look at the shots that he took last year. And they're not good shots. Even the shot that he hit at the against UCLA, he made it. Give him all the credit in the world. But kind of like what we were talking about with Armando, not being asked to do as much because of it being a deeper team, I wonder how green the green light is going to be for Caleb Love beyond the three-point arc. My guess, pretty darn green if you don't have your best three-point shooter from an efficiency perspective in Brady Manning. R.J. Davis, to me, is the guy that makes this team go. Not Caleb Love, who is going to get all the attention for hitting the shot against Duke in the Final Four, and he's certainly the more flashy of the two guys. The Being courtside at Coach K's last game when Carolina won, it... Uh, both in New Orleans and also at the Final Four, the game or uh, or uh, at, uh, at at Cameron Indoor Stadium. What stands out to me about the Cameron game is R.J. Davis was the best player in that game. 
both sides of the floor. He was the best player in that game. Against Baylor, the numbers certainly bear that out. He has the ability to be a true point guard. Neither of those two guys came into Carolina as, air quote, true point guards, but RJ is the one that has the capability of being that versus Caleb, who, frankly, I don't know what Caleb Love is. Uh, An NBA scout asked me a few weeks ago, well, what do you see this guy being in the league? And we started having a conversation. Well, he's not big enough to be like a three, and he's not efficient enough as a shooter to be a two. He's a fine college player. I I, I just don't quite know exactly what Caleb is. He needs to improve defensively, and he has the build and the frame to be a better defensive player. So if you're looking for areas of growth, that would be the spot that I start with for Caleb Love. But R.J. Davis on the offensive end, the offense needs to go through him, I think, for Carolina to hit its ceiling. Couple more, Josh, and I'll let you get out of here. Do you worry about this team's mentality? From last year, they were the hunter. With six weeks or re- with with a month left in the regular season, this team was outside the NCAA tournament. They had to win their way in, and then they got hot and went on this run. You know, in the NCAA tournament, beating Baylor in their backyard, winning their the the the, the, the regional against the Cinderella team, and then they faced their rival in the Final Four, and then a program that's had their number in the tournament. So now they're the hunted. They enter the preseason AP number one team. They're the media's pick to win the ACC the first time since 2015-2016. Do you worry about this team's mentality standpoint? Where they, they gotta, where Now they have to bring it every night because they know when they walk on the court, every team's going to give them their best shot to take down number one. Oh, absolutely. I worry about it because we saw this movie a year ago with UCLA. UCLA was one of the last four teams that did the tournament in the 2020-2021 season and made a run all the way to the Final Four before losing to Gonzaga at the buzzer in heartbreaking fashion. But everybody comes back from that team, I think four out of five starters, if not all five of them, and they were projected to be the team last year, and they didn't even win the Pac-12, not the tournament, not the not the regular season either. And I don't think the Pac-12 is as good as the ACC is. So this goes back to how good of a measurement March is. Some think what we saw in those five and a half games before the second half against Kansas is who Carolina is going to be this year. Then what do we think about the other 35 games that Carolina played last year? What type of what, what, how much stock should we put in that? And I think the answer is somewhere in between. I don't think Carolina is as bad as they were prior to that Syracuse game they played the last time they had a real game at the, at the Smith Center. But I also don't think it's fair to say, because you got hot for five and a half games, that that's who you are now in the NCAA tournament too and what you're going to be over a larger sample when, as you said – everybody's going to be gunning for you. This team talks a lot about what people say about them in the media. Usually players respond better when you're being doubted than being told that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. This team mentality has not really been tested so much yet. That's going to happen this year. And I do think it's a concern when you lose Brady Manick, your most efficient three-point shooter. I don't know who their best and most efficient shooter is going to be this year. And I do think the ACC is greatly improved. 
And I do think that maybe we're overvaluing Carolina after that tournament run. So they, they're going to be a ranked team at the end of the year. They're going to make the tournament. They're going to be in the conversation for ACC regular season title. But if it were me, and I voted on that media poll, I'd be more apt to pick a team like Virginia, who brings back its top six, seven scorers from last year, and runs a system that you know every year works, winning five of the last nine ACC regular season titles, and that nobody is really, frankly, talking about in this type of conversation than the team that's being picked number one, who didn't at all look like a number one team until they played at Cameron Indoor at the end of the regular season. So I'll get you out on this. I've asked every guest I've brought on all summer and all and all during the preseason if you if if if, if you had to tell me as a Tar Heel fan, or 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 I'll just set it up like this: you you think this team has. Um, you know, you're worried about their mentality. You like what Virginia has to offer. You you you're worried about it was six games who they are, or was the first 34 who they are. This team comes in preseason rank number one. They're the, the the they're the pick to win the ACC. You've got the second best player, if not the best player in the country, in Armando Baycott. You've got four or five starters back. You've got a great recruiting class. You brought in a, a seasoned uh, veteran transfer. Simply, is this season national title or bust? For Carolina basketball. It is, but it shouldn't be. It is because that's what the players believe. You, I remember the day after all the stuff was made official that everybody was coming back, I was talking to Jones Angel, voice of the Tar Heels, and he was very quick to say, try to you know, put some water on the flames and phantom that, or try to put out some of the fires saying, you know, it's hard to get to an NCAA championship, and, you know, you got to focus on your everyday. You can't do that. When you, when every single one of those guys put out a video saying, we have unfinished business and we're trying to put hang a banner inside the Smith Center, you can't really talk to me about how this isn't national title or bust when unfinished business. You guys were up 16 at halftime in the national title game. What What other business is there to do other than – to win a national championship. And when you're talking about hanging banners, they are the ones setting themselves up for those expectations. So when inevitably they don't meet those expectations, when that happens, they're going to say, well, it's the media that drummed up all these expectations. No, it wasn't. You guys did it. You guys put out the videos. You guys are the ones saying that you wanted to have unfinished business and it's, essentially national title or bust. March is random. Like, if you wanted to set the expectation at winning an ACC championship, boom. I would think that is an awesome goal to set things out for because, again, that's a large sample that if you're the best team, the cream's going to rise to the top and you're going to win an ACC title. But when you talk about the NCAA tournament, so much of that is dependent on matchups and who's hot and winning six in a row. So I think you're just setting yourself up for failure to, to have those types of expectations, especially when you consider, Josh, that the last time the preseason number one team won the championship at the end of the year was Carolina in 2009. Mm. And while comparisons have been drawn between this group and that group because of everybody who came back, it's important to remember that the team the year before 2009 was also picked preseason number one, which is a huge difference between what we saw from Carolina 
prior to this season where they're picked number one. So I do have concerns about that. It is something I worry about with them, these expectations getting out of control. But frankly, that train's already left the station. You're one of my favorites because you're brutally honest and you you don't run away from your opinion. I mentioned you host The Drive on WSJS. Where can people check you out on the weekdays from 3 to (laughs) 6? Uh, oh, okay. Well, on the preset. Gotcha. I thought you were going to say, well, what's your Twitter handle? So that way, <laughs> after that opinion, where can people yell at you at? Uh, at Josh Graham Radio is the answer to that. And that's where you'll also find links to the show. But no, it's, again, I am so glad Carolina went on that run last year because it was one of the most fun things to watch and cover. It's always good when the locals are really good and I have to be there whether or not they're good or bad. So it helps if they're really good. And I hope they're cutting down nets at the end of the year because that means many of the people that I talk to all the time, including you and (laughs) the fans that we deal with, they're going to be happy too. So that is, those are the pros. But to your point, eh, this is exactly what I think. And I'm not going to pander to anybody and lie to them if I don't think it's going to be it. I appreciate that, Josh, and maybe we can catch back, catch back up during the basketball season, whether you're right or wrong, to talk about either a lot of Tar Heel wins or Tar Heel losses. All right. Thanks so much, Josh. All right. There you go, guys. That's Josh Graham, host of The Drive from 3 to 6 p.m. on WSJS. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings. Then when I come back, I'll shut down this edition of the Four Corners podcast. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better. Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA, whether it's the local Charlotte Hornets or my beloved New York Knicks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Do want to thank Josh again for coming on and talking some Carolina basketball with me, getting helping getting you guys ready for the upcoming basketball season. And like me, there are some answers there that uh, I didn't like about Armando Baycott and, and about this team's mentality and and how they've put themselves in a position to fail. But that's also why I respect them, and that's why I brought him on because sometimes we need to hear a guy who isn't going to pander and be honest with us, and he's one of the best in the business at doing just that. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. We do encourage you guys to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Busy week as we're getting you ready for Carolina at Virginia on the football side of things. We'll have you cover the preview. And then we'll have you cover the recap, stock report, trench report, Ashton's analysis, 
And on the basketball side of things, Ashton's continuing previewing the core four uh, as he's got R.J. Davison, Leaky Black coming up. This week I'll be getting you ready for UNC Wilmington. Just a lot of stuff. Head over to HeelToughBlog.com. That way you don't miss any of that. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up where you can rate and review to the podcast. Most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. It's been a busy week, as you can tell, over here on the podcast with a front court preview, back court preview. We just talked with Josh Graham. We got John Crispin coming on. We got Marcus Ginyard coming on. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. With that, I want to thank Josh once again for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>